Good morning, everybody. Time to begin. Let's stand. Let's give the Lord praise. Somebody kill that music back there. Good to be in God's house. We're here this morning to learn the word, enter right into Sunday school, and just see what God has for us. And, you know, every time we open the word, we need to pray that God enlighten us, enlightens us with something new out of it. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Brother Tanner, would you pray over this morning's lessons? Father, we're so thankful to be here this morning. So thankful, God, for, Lord, for the freedom to choose to be here, Lord. And we just, Father, we celebrate you today. Father, we just ask for your hand to be upon the service, Lord, and upon the classes in the back, upon the teachers, Father, as your word goes forth, Father. And we just, we receive, Father. We receive what you have for us today, Father. We receive your word any way that you choose to give it to us, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dismiss the see y'all. Good to be here. Alright. Got a lot of ground to cover this morning. Uh, let's turn uh, page 21 in our study guides. Last week was the Bible Speaks to Families. This week the Bible Speaks to Society. There will obviously be some parallels uh, because you can't talk about you can't talk about family and not talk about society. You can't talk about society and not talk about family. It's just the way that it is. So I mean, if you understand the correlation, I think that's that's the big thing is, is understanding the correlation. Uh, but uh, this morning's lesson uh, focuses more on uh, society and you know how how ironic there are going to be some things that are going to be said here in this lesson is <laughs> absolute irony and. Uh, and, and I even chuckled a couple times. I'm going through this. I was like, and, and there's no way I could have planned this and the way this even comes out and that this, some of the things that are said in this lesson that are so uh, evident to what we're dealing with today. I said, God, you put this here for a reason. You knew. You knew what was going to be happening. So uh, the, the, scripture reveal, the scriptures reveal God's message to society. Key verse, Deuteronomy 5 and 33, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be with you, well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Okay, so the, the way that I want to start that, the, this morning's lesson is, is that 
speaking of uh, Deuteronomy 5 and 33, is that God always has an idea for you to possess land. Always. There's, there's, there is not an individual. There's not one individual that, that if you as a believer in Christ, as, as a believer uh, in what uh, God is doing in your life, if we believe God to do things in our life and to move us forward, then God is, has created you to possess land. And what I mean by that is spiritual land, overtaking things in your life, moving forward, progressing forward spiritually, growing as a Christian. Um, I, not so, not, we're not talking about the monetary idea of land possession as much as I'm talking about as, as God has taught us in type and shadow in the Old Testament that as he told his children to possess land, he's also told us spiritually to possess land. And so as, as, as a child of God, I've got land to possess. You know, there's, there's some things in front of me. And sometimes, sometimes that land, sometimes that land to possess is, is personal issues, personal things, personal struggles. I mean, I think if we were to we were talk to to you this morning, we would take a take a, a questionnaire and ask everybody what, what what are you struggling with and how are you doing with that. Every one of you would have a struggle, Amen. to some degree. You we would have a struggle, and we put that down, and and so so if we, if you got a struggle or you got something that that really fights you and, and, and really is uh, contradictory to where you want to be, then, then there's some land to possess. There's some places to, to get. And, and we've talked about this before, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I wanted to say that at the very beginning because God's idea is that you possess land. His idea is that you press forward and you conquer things, you beat them and you move on. And the tragedy is, is that that maybe at the end of this thing, uh, when it's all said and done, I breathe my last breath. I don't want to find out that I wasn't conquering something in my life. I mean, you think about how big that is to stand before the, the creator of the universe and, and him to say, you know, you just, you, all you did was just deal with the same old stuff all the time. You know, I mean, you never really actually moved forward. I would hate to see, look back over my life and see that. I never actually possessed some of the lands that God had actually set before me to possess. That would be that would be frustrating and disappointing. So I think that there's some there's a lot in that though. And so as we go through this, and you think about some of those things that God has put on your plate, um, I, I've said uh, I've made I've said phrases before like uh, God, you've thrown me a ball that's too big to catch. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that. I was like, you the, the ball. I, I understand what we're doing here, but the ball is too big to catch. And sometimes we get in these areas and these places in our life, but we need to recognize that God has put us there for a reason. we got to respond in a certain way and that he expects us to be responsible and to be prayerful and to be seeking him and to move forward, move forward in our life and, and not always be uh, dealing with and struggling with some of the same things that we struggle with way back when. There's got to be a time when you overcome. There's got to be a time that you move forward. John, you were going to say something about that? just going to say this like since I usually pray that over my house every day I claim it for territory for the kingdom of God when mm -hmm. I get to work I claim that place for territory of the kingdom of God not right. that there's not bad things that go on there like people not living right but I just feel that I need to claim it it's like I'm there claiming this territory for God God's going to work here he's going to minister to people here today and I mean just like it is in the, the spiritual realm there's, there are places in the physical realm that carries just like I mean a casino that would be territory that the enemy probably has. Right. Those marvelous, stupid pot places. That's territory the enemy probably has. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, I mean, 
you got to claim those places back for Christ. Right. Because it'll happen in the spiritual realm before it ever manifests. Absolutely. Every time. Very good. Okay, let's read introducing the study. The Israelites were chosen by God to declare his name and prepare the way for Jesus. As God's people, he gave commands for them to follow as a nation. Today, God's people are still called to obey his righteous moral commands found throughout Scripture in places like the Ten Commandments. Okay, so right off, we have a, an example of the Ten Commandments. It's actually going to go into this, and, and we're going to kind of break some of those down, if not all of them. And uh, the, the thing that is argued with, or at least debated in the, in the Christian realm, is are those things relevant to me today? That's the Old Testament. Well, I, I think that it's very important that we understand how, Im first of all, how important the Ten Commandments were, why they were there, why they were given, the reason they were given, which was to give moral direction and to, to give them uh, something not only to look at, but something to point at sin. And once we look at that, is that a good, is that a good um, guideline for me today? Absolutely. The only difference is, is that you are not bound to it. You understand we're living in the new covenant, so we're not bound to it. There's no binding thing. We, we live under grace now. I'm careful how I say that because a lot of people take that a lot of different ways. So we're under grace now, so we're not bound to any particular set of laws. But are these a great guideline for leading a nation? Absolutely. Great moral direction. So, so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. These commands also speak to believers today in forming us of why we needed the salvation only Christ can bring. Think about what God's commands mean to you individually as well as a member of society as a whole. Well, that's assuming that you even care about what they mean. And there's, there's some very important factors and, and things that have to actually come into play there. That's something that I think we're, we're seeing today. And, and I'm not, I, and always, don't get me wrong, I know it's, in, it, I say a lot about society because it's prevalent. It's obvious we deal with some, we struggle with certain things and there's a permeation through society and i think that's why it's always important pastor and i talk about it a lot that we keep in a, in a mode of reminding because it is so easy to get off track and to be deceived Amen. it is so easy to be deceived at, at the things that the enemy is throwing today there's and there's so many numerically I mean, can we agree this morning numerically that the enemy is throwing more things out there to deceive today than ever before? I mean, I, the number has risen. I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's dramatically higher. It's, it's not uh, always clear, and we, we need a lot of discernment. So um, when it says, think about what God's command means to you individually as well as a member of society as a whole, uh, there's, there's got to be a people that actually care what God says as a whole. Christian people have to care what God says about society and about how we're supposed to live. If, if we don't care, uh, then it doesn't work out very well. Um, how can your proclamation of God's righteousness and grace make a difference in the world around you? Well, that's an easy, I'm not going to ask you that question or ask anyone to weigh in on that because I think you know what the answer to that is. The, the, the thing for Christians to, to understand is when it says, how can your proclamation of God's righteousness and grace make a difference in the world? Well, how are you proclaiming? That's the real question. How do you proclaim? Do you really proclaim? I mean, people will say, and I'm challenging you as well as myself on this. You know, people will say, my witness is the way I live. Great. 
if you're going to say that though, yeah, you're gonna have to be able to back that up with a lifestyle that actually supports that. And so on the on the flip side of that, um, we we've got a we've got to be the example. You've heard me say that before. I mean, you have to be example. So you know. But when I'm saying this, I'm not playing around. I mean, this is serious stuff. And so when we say, well, my my witness is is my living. Uh, you, you definitely better have a lifestyle that backs it up, and for surely, you better not be hiding behind that. Don't don't hide behind that. Don't hide behind the fact that you say, well, that's just maybe that's an excuse for some people not to have to say anything. I've been challenged on that lately by the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, you need to be proactive. You need to say, open your mouth more often. Open your mouth more often. Say something. Say it. And so. I've been challenged on that front. And so I'm, I'm saying that because it's so easy to hide behind the idea that we're just walking around and, and we're carrying our light with us and everybody sees that light. And you think that that's good enough. And maybe it is in your life. Maybe it is in your world. But at the same time, maybe it's not. Maybe there's some new territory that God's wanting you to overtake and it will involve you being more proactive. Um, do, can we agree that probably in this this climate that we're living in now that we need to be a little more proactive Amen. the enemy's proactive uh, I mean he's proactive he's throwing some stuff he's throwing some stuff out there and he's making it known where he stands so the only the only inoculant to that the only way to to, to swing that thing back in the other direction is to to make a stand of our own and you've heard me say this before and it's got to be Christians that do it it can't be people that just represent your beliefs. It's got to be you. You've got to be the one to actually stand up and make, and make that stand. So, Sean, go ahead, bud. I was just going to say, when it comes to that, I mean, like, how many times are you quoting scripture to somebody? Even if you don't quote it, you can still say it without saying Romans 35, 22, or whatever. Sure. And, I mean, how many times do you mention the name of Jesus? How many times are you pointing back to the Bible and pointing to God when you speak to other people? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, if you're doing, you're walking that walk and talking that talk, you should be talking that talk. Right. Jesus should be rolling off point. your tongue a couple times a day. Right. It should be rolling off more than that, actually. But it should be evident to other people of, like, why do you talk like this? Like, I don't know, it's just because that's the way I am. Right, exactly. Well, and there's, there's a bit of a separation there, too, and I think I know I have been in that situation before, and I think that's a struggle for everybody, is once you start to take that path where you obviously separate yourself, we're, we're hardwired to feel um, left out or excommunicated or they're going to think I'm weird or different or, or you know and, but that's exactly what we was called to be anyway we're called to be peculiar so that's okay and what John said uh, actually first is the numbers were not even existing in the original letters so mm-hmm. the scripture right. says it was a letter that's right uh, then and what he said is uh, we speak we, we also live it Mm-hmm. If you live it, it's evident. Yep. Uh, and it has power, whichever mm-hmm. way it's, it's uh, demonstrated. Yes. Very good. Very good. Yeah, and, and Sean, Sean's good. At, Sean is good at memorizing scripture. He always makes me feel bad. You know, he's just <laughs> cracking these things off, and I'm like, wow, listen to that. I was like, well, I maybe one day I will get there. <laughs> I'm trying. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to page uh, twenty-two and read our scriptures this morning. Julie, you don't mind? Don't mind at all. Thank you. Deuteronomy 
verse 7. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that you may go well with you in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desires on the neighbor's house or land, his male or female servants, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Romans 1.21 For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. 321. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Very good. Thank you. quick word, you know, before we start section one, you know, you read, and I'm looking at, I'm back at page 22 again, looking at the, uh, the scripture base, and, you know, it's, we're talking about the, uh, the Ten Commandments here, you know, thou shalt not murder, commit adultery, steal, give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, you got to understand, when this was given, that this was very specific. Now, he gets in a little more detail on some of these, but it was very specific, these were not open for debate. There, there, you did not make an amendment as to how the wording was and how you perceived the wording and that there needed to be a change. Lord, well, there, I think there needs to be a change in your commandments. You said murder, but what do you mean by murder? What do you mean uh, uh, by that? You said don't commit adultery. Define to me what you mean by adultery. See, you weren't open for debate. There, there, was, there was no debate, and it was very clear as to what would happen if you did not follow those. And I said all that because today, there are, sometimes we apply some of the same tactics that are done in, in politics and in, in society, and then we bring that into the church house, we bring that into the Word of God and say, well, well just tell me what this really means. And the, and the truth of it is, we're just in flat denial of what the truth is. It, there are times when I love to discuss and get into God's word and really get into the, the meat of it and let's discuss what word meanings are. I love that. That's great. But there's a time for that and then there's a time not for that. When it comes to the truth of God's word and the move of the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, there ain't no debate. There ain't no debate. And I think God's people got to come back to that. Just taking God's word for what it is. 
This is what it says. This is what it means. It says this is sin and this is sin and this is right and this is wrong. It tells you to keep your hands off of it. There's no debating that. And I, I, I had to learn that lesson myself. That sometimes it's, it's great to, to debate over things. It's great to talk about meanings and viewpoints and things like that. I, I enjoy those kind of discussions. But at the end of the day, what the Holy Spirit says and what he gives the church is what the, what the church needs to accept. There it is. There's no debate. It's what wrong, what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. So, anyway, let's go, uh, let's go to section one. The Bible presents God's commandments. Most societies are governed by rules that keep things running smoothly. When it, I started out the first sentence, I was like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> I, was, I said, that's really good already. Most societies are governed by rules that keep things running smoothly. This was true among God's people, as God himself establishes commands for them. So think about it, though, from a governmental standpoint. Think about the, the rules and the laws that we have today. Those, now, of course, you don't have to agree with all of them. You don't have to. It's fine. I'm talking about from, uh, from moving things and keeping things going. We were, we were founded on fundamental things that God has given in his word as a country, and those things move and keep things moving forward. There's a reason why they consider the United States as the greatest country to ever grace the face of the planet. There's a reason why. And when you take God and you put look at him as being the centerpiece, and then you start to see all of these things that branched off from him in that centerpiece, well, the, the idea of freedom and the idea of free choice and all these things, you think, where did those things come from? They just had, somebody had some great ideas? No, that all come from God's word. That all come from God's word. And when you look at that and how that actually affects a society, and I'm not trying to get into all this, but capitalism and, and, and free trade and all these other things that actually contribute to a great, prosperous society, that really move things forward, and, and, and the choice to be able to come in here this morning and to be able to worship the God that I love. So these are all, these are all from a, from a, a very... Um, fundamental place in the word of God you take those away though you take those away you get somebody come in and want to amend some of those that's well I don't think that um, well for instance the, the latest I don't think it's healthy that you worship God so you know I said something about this Wednesday night just briefly but this is what I mean this is the kind of when that stuff starts coming, regardless of what you believe or agree on or any of that, you understand that this thing is escalating to a place where they're wanting to keep you from ever showing up here. Amen. Amen. At all costs. They want to keep you from showing up here. The reason why is you say, well, it's the mean old people. No, these are principalities that work here. These are principalities that know if God is allowed to be able to be spoken, his name to be spoken, his name to be praised, they lose power in the spirit realm. So what do we got to do? The only way we can really take over is we really got to stop people from praising God. That's exactly what you're seeing happen, uh, say California. So that's very unfortunate. But it, I hope that you are taking your feet and you're digging them into the ground real hard. Um, and we got we to gotta know what our response is. You can't, you can't, I don't care what you come in. When you come in that name of anything, you say you can't worship. You cannot worship uh, at any time. It's not good for you to worship. Well, how did you think it was going to show up anyway? Did you think they were just going to come up for no reason at all and just tell you you couldn't come to church? No, they're going to have a reason. 
And that's the reasons that they're starting to give. So when you start moving away from the things that made you free and the things that, that God had given us foundations for, you start moving away from a, a free-flowing society, then we, we, we abandon that. There's not, it's not far total carnage. It's not far. I think, Sean, you had your hand up. You go ahead, and I'll get you, Sean. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just uh, sitting here thinking, we were talking about that, why, what they're doing in California now. They said you can't, you can't get excited and shout in church and sing right. real loud. you got to be real quiet. And real, you know, <laughs> yeah. You can't uh, get into the spirit. Mm-hmm. And you can't run and jump and holler and, and uh, all this stuff like uh, what they're talking about at the Pentecostal church. I, I was just about to say, you, you, I know who we're talking about. Yeah. They're talking, but they talk, they shut, they're trying to shut it all down. Well, they don't like this. They don't like this hollering and singing loud and, and yeah. getting excited. Right. That's and they're already trying to stop it out there because absolutely. Uh, and they're using the corner of the virus, you know, for it. Sure. Uh, for a, that's the tool for, for yeah. a reason to do it. Right. Of course, I know people have to be careful. Sure. Especially in California and places like that, mm-hmm. New York and Florida and Texas. Right. Get close around here. And that and that's something for like I said, that's something for us to think about is when we see these th- when we see that straying away is, is the as we're talking about the lesson that the societies that are governed by rules that keep things running smoothly. Um, when when God is at the centerpiece, things run smoothly. Amen. Things run smoothly. And that's what America was founded on. Kings has been talking a couple messages back about getting the Ten Commandments and how important the Ten Commandments are and I started thinking about it. It's like I can memorize, I think I know like seven of them. I'm like, man, I don't know all the Ten Commandments. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I mean, I kind of know what they are. But right. I can't quote them off. Like, oh, da, 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 da. Sure. And, but, and that's what the enemy wants. He's been taking them out of fronts of buildings and everywhere. And it's like, I'm actually going to have our my class. That's going to be the next memorized scripture for them. It's going to be the Ten Commandments. Great, very good. Because they, they, they need to know what those are. I need to know what those are so that I can follow them, even though I, I'm pretty sure I know what they are. But, I mean, I want to be able to quote them yeah. verbatim and know exactly what they are. So if somebody asks me, I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I should not kill, steal, adultery, no idols, no other gods. Right. I, mean, I want to be able to quote them all off and be like, yeah, that's important. Absolutely. And our nation has just kind of gone away from that, and it shows. Yes, Absolutely. Let's keep going, guys. Very good. See, that first sentence, it brings up good, good, good conversation. This was true among God's people as God himself established his commands for them. Uh, the Ten Commandments form a central part of these commands and are presented to us in Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 22. Keep in mind that while we do not live under a theocracy like Israel, God's command are, commands are relevant to us and can also speak to our society. Well, ours is... As a country, it's a democracy or democratic republic or, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways of looking at that. But, I mean, if you look at, think of, um, and we don't live under a theocracy. I mean, uh, a, the- a good example of that would be like, um, would be like Islam. Um, there's some other countries out there that actually pa- practice theocracy as, as, a, as a whole. Now, if you've never looked into that, there's, there's, there's a very powerful thing. When you look at um, democracy and a democratic republic, uh, the people that form and move and bring in people that they want to actually lead them. You think about it. I mean, this is, it goes all the way back to biblical days as to why that thing was established. So i got to keep moving. Uh, says, uh, the, the, the first four commands deal with how people were to relate to God, with the first being foundational. 
God's people must not have any other gods. All right, so let's talk about the command. So thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Does it make sense if you're going to serve God to not have any other gods before him? Amen. That's what I love about the, the Ten Commandments because it's so common sense from, you can call it from a religious standpoint. From a, from a religious standpoint, if we're going to serve the Lord, it just makes perfect sense not to have any other gods before him. But how... How can we, if we if we don't do it the way that God has asked us to do it, how can we get out of line of that? How can we put another God before him? What does that look like in our society today? Someone tell me. You worship, you're, if you're involved in idol worship, what's that look like? It could be anything. It could be football, video games, comic books, movies, fishing, hunting, anything okay. that you put over God and Good. love more than him that you would, it's like, oh, I really want to go to church today. Or I really want to read my Bible. I really want to pray. But I really want to go watch this movie that I've been waiting for for five years to come out. Or I really want to go hunt because hunt season just started. Or football season just started. It can be anything your heart desires above God. That, and what's great about that is that that is so multi-leveled. And that applies to everybody across the board. There's, there's not one of us that can't apply that and look at that in our hearts and find out where we stand with that. Go ahead. When you first said that, you said you need to get your feet dug in, and you just said talked about sport. Every one of us got first. You got to step up to the plate. You know, you ever seen a batter get up there and yeah, he gets gets ready to swing? Mm. It's coming down the pipe. The pitches are coming right at you. You're gonna have to swing. If you stand there, you're gonna strike out. And you're going to go sit down and shut up, and you're out. Out. If you don't stand up and swing, everybody else is swinging. you got to swing. Thank you. Praise God. Very good. And if you close your eyes when the ball is thrown at you, it's a bad, you're not going to hit anything. Very good. And that's, he, that's the mic drop. You notice that. He just dropped the mic. He's like, I'm out. I'm done. Very good, Stace. Thank you. Um, okay, so have no other gods before me. God will not share our affection. Makes perfect sense why, though, He created you, right? Did God create you? Amen. So, if He's the Creator, does He not have full authority to call on your total affection, time, and attention? Amen. I mean, we could go over this a lot of different ways, but you can't hash it really any any different. Is that He's the Creator? He created me. So what does he ask me to do? He said, I, I want you to put me first, and I want you to serve only me, worship only me. And so it's real simple. This is not a debate. <clears throat> yes, I'm going to do everything that you tell me to do. That's what I like about the Ten Commandments. It's so fundamental uh, and still applies today. Very well, very good for us. God will not share our affection. Our loyalties must be not be divided. The second command is similar. In both Egypt and Canaan, graven images were widely worshipped. Israel was not to mingle their worship practices with those pagans, nor should we. The third command forbids using God's name in unholy ways. This includes speech, but also addresses one's testimony. They were not to do things that reflected poorly upon God's character or, uh, or reputation. Why? Because you represent something. You actually represent something. And so what is that something? You represent the kingdom. You represent, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you go to a place or you go to a, a job or something, they have like a like a, an attire. You know, you got to dress a certain way. You know, you have to look the part, you know. 
that's exactly the way that it is in, in the kingdom of God. It's like, okay, I've joined the kingdom. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sister or a brother. I'm a, I, I'm a king. I'm a queen. You gotta actually look the part spiritually. You gotta be authentic. You gotta, you gotta be true. We just talked about this the other night, Wednesday night, putting on the full armor of God. You gotta, you gotta be truthful. You gotta operate in truth. And there, there's things that come with being a kingdom believer, uh, more than just saying I'm a part of the kingdom. Amen. The fourth command conveys an important principle that applies well today. In our hectic world, we must take time for rest and refocus on God. This gives evidence of our trust in him. This is to obey the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Now, I could, man, I believe that we've spent that much time on this. But I don't have a lot of time to get into the importance of the Sabbath day. You got to really go do your homework on, on the Sabbath. You got to really go back and, and look at why it was instituted. You heard me say this not too long ago. When God institutes something, He institutes it for a reason. So you have this. You have uh, uh, the the church is an institution. God took the Sabbath and He instituted a day of what? Rest. Right. This is a day of recovery. This is a day of refocus. And He said, "This is the day that you set aside for Me." This is, this is my day. Um, so I'm not going to tell you how that is going to look in your life because we could go a lot of different directions on that. And a lot of people are going to feel like I'm stepping on toes. I'm not trying to do that. I simply challenge you to look at the importance of the Sabbath day, why it was instituted, and why God's people should follow it. Simple. Simple stuff. Why, why, why should we be honoring the Sabbath for what it is. Why should we do that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. We honor God. It honors him. It refocuses you and I. There's a huge benefit to honoring the Sabbath. So I want you, I'm challenging you because I don't have a lot of time. I'm challenging you to look that up yourself and to look at the importance of, of the Sabbath. Um, God also causes people to have healthy relationship with others. Amen. Seen in the final six commands. These commands dealt with acts and attitudes. And they mirror laws we can find in almost every society on earth. They address parental respect. Amen. Parental respect. What I like is that they mention the fact that this is actually evident in other societies too, not just ours, but other societies. What is evident? Making children respect parents. It's fundamental. And, and it, for some crazy reason, our country has decided that, that we should probably do away with that because we're encroaching on a child's rights and we're encroaching on a child's feelings and we're encroaching the stuff that separates your children from being raised properly to bring up a group of people who could cognitively think for themselves. And what's the other? What's the alternative? What if I decide I don't want to teach my child? And I'm being honest. What is the alternative to not teaching a child to respect? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's called indoctrination. You think it's disrespect. Well, sure, it's disrespect, but it's called indoctrination because if you have taught your child properly the difference between right and wrong, they can't be indoctrinated with something that's against society and against God. They can't. They'll hold firmly against it. They'll be brought up in the ways that they should go, and they won't depart from them. They'll be like, ah, no, that's not right. That's wrong. But if I don't teach my child parental respect, then they're easily deceived, easily indoctrinated with some other belief system where they just simply just go and say, well, that, 
That sounds good to me. Isn't that what everybody's doing nowadays? Sounds good to me. No one really understands the difference between right and wrong. So I think that's important. Okay. Uh, parental respect. Respect for life. That's a good one. Respect for property. <laughs> respect for property. And they didn't print this like last week. I mean, been around for a little while. Pro uh, re respect for property. Honesty. Covetedness. Honesty. Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, no, I understand, Jim. Absolutely. It's, it's gone. Covetedness. And if a society ignores these things, crisis will soon follow. Why, though? Why? Some, someone tell me, why would crisis, if you agree with that, if you don't agree with it, you can say that, too. But if, uh, if crisis, if the lesson says crisis is soon to follow, if, if that's the case, why, though? <clears throat> It's human nature if you don't get Okay. Yeah. Julie, Julie said it right there. She said guidelines. There's some guidelines that have been set. Mm -hmm. We can all agree with that. There's some guidelines that have been set. But you, you gotta but we gotta recognize them as being such. They have to be recognized as being a guideline. Not not just a piece of history. Not just something that was put out there, well that was good for that was good for the, the 70s and 60s or 50s, or 40s. That's good for my great grandma. And them is great for them. They had ten revivals and all that stuff. We don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Okay, why though? That's my question. Is why? That's one of the questions that I've asked myself more times, and I've come up with answers that I did not want to find. Is why did we end up where we are at? Some answers are good. Most of them are bad. Most of them are not good. They're not healthy. It's not where I want to see us going. So we have to keep asking ourselves that question. Go ahead, Jim. Well, if I, I was growing up, man, and uh, there's several people in my life that when they told you something, you, you could depend upon that. Yep. And now, you uh, people come by and tell you something, and you shake hands on something, and it don't mean anything. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just... Uh, they, might, they may have been, but I heard this a long time ago. If you're going to tell somebody something, you're going to do it. That's right. Then do your best to do it. And if you can't, go tell them why you can't. Exactly. Yep. Accountability. That's very good, Jim. Get Accountability. Later. Yeah, that's good. You need to go back to the old part like that. Well, and those we are honoring people. Absolutely. I agree with word. that. And that's and and those, word. If when you give your word, you should stand upon that. Yes, sir. And that's fundamental morals. It's fundamental morals. It's good stuff. That's right. Good. Okay. The Ten Commandments are relevant today because they address basic moral choices. Even as culture changes, our moral nature remains unchanged. As a Christian, you can testify that these commands come from a loving God who desires to have a relationship with the people he has created. Absolutely. Okay. Section two, the Bible warns of sin's consequences. It's a good one. While society often scoffs at the notion of sin, Scripture describes it as a dangerous downward spiral. Well, we said at the beginning the only way to really identify it, you know, to, to look at God's Word is to it just simply accept it for what it is. You, can't, you cannot abandon or debate what that actually means. When we start talking about what does sin mean, well, I'll tell you what I think sin is. That's dangerous stuff. What does the Bible say sin is? Okay, that's, that better be the thing that you use as your... your uh, your compass, your moral compass, because if you start getting into your feelings, and how you feel about it, well, I feel that that is old, or I feel like that, eh, just you better throw that away. 
that's going to get you in trouble. My feelings have got me. Every time I've got in trouble, it's because of my feelings. Think about it. Every time you've got yourself in a bind, it's because your feelings at that time surpassed everything else. So feelings aren't always the greatest thing in the world. And a lot of times they lead us down the wrong path. I would hate to take the same feelings that I've used and got me into trouble and then use those to guide me spiritually. Not a good idea. Better stop being politically correct. Absolutely. That's right. It's going to sway you. It will. Yeah, there's no, you can't. It's impossible. You cannot do that. Very good. Okay. Um, Romans 1, 21 through 23 speak of people who worship images of their own creation rather than worshiping God. Sean was mentioning that earlier. The second step of the spiral. The human heart is inclined to worship something. It is. You have that condition inside of you. It's inside of you right now. It exists. You think, oh, that's not me. No, no. If you're living in this body, this thing is inclined to do something ridiculous. It just is. It's just inclined. And if you don't think that it is, just pay attention to your emotions every day and feel those feelings that try to rise up and take control of the situation. You gotta push him back down. You gotta remind yourself, the old man is dead. I don't do those things anymore, right? Amen. Okay, so it's this this continual this is this this tug of war. They're trying to trying to get uh, trying to get ground. Give uh, so it says the human heart is inclined to worship something. So when people reject God, they find it necessary to create gods. This is the essence of idolatry. Absolutely, that's at its core. So it's okay. So. You look at the hardwiring, you look at what you're, you're, you actually are hungering for. You are hungering for connection with, the, the, with the, the creator. That's what you are hungering for. When you make the connection, it becomes enormously satisfying. Why? Because you were designed to worship the Lord, right? So the opposite end of that is, okay, I reject God. I'm atheist or agnostic or whatever you want to believe. You're all these other things, and I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to accept that. And then you begin to believe and to take on all these other things. Remember, you're hardwired to worship something. You're going to take on something. And so the question is, is what does that look like? We've got to make sure that we are not in a place ourselves where we are, where we are doing things that are contrary to God's word and contrary to the teachings that he's taught us. Remember, you're hardwired this way. So if, if you're hardwired this way, why wouldn't it try to spring its head up from time to time? And it, at times, have we not been deceived? Have we not been thinking that we were going in the right direction and then have something revealed to us? Like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I was doing that. That's got to be something that we are okay with. we got to be okay with finding out the truth. And, and, and once again, coming back down to the thing we mentioned the other day, at the foundation of it all, you got to be okay with being wrong sometimes. You got to be okay with being wrong sometimes. It's it's that is, man. I don't have time to get into that, but that's the fundamental, um, really the the pivot foot for relationships, for church family. People got to be okay with being wrong when you have division, and that doesn't matter if it's in if it's in marriage, if it's in between siblings. Um, it's, it's usually because somebody does not back down. Somebody does not accept responsibility for what they've done. Somebody does not res, uh, accept responsibility for their actions. Therefore, when you have people that do not accept responsibility for actions, you have a struggle, you have a clash. 
So there's got to be a, a part of us that is okay with failure. As the spiral continues, these abstinent unbelievers become slaves to their sinful desires. Because they harden their hearts, God gives them over to their shameful sensual cravings. Sexual immorality is a common source of this kind of degradation. However, verses 26 through 27 focus on homosexuality. Their sexual sin perverts God's intention for sex, and those who practice it exchange the truth of God's plan for a lie. And we've talked about this before, and as far as God's plan is concerned, and if you want to look at it, you can look at it, first of all, we look at it from the godly perspective. Let's look at what God says about it, okay? God says that this is a sin. Okay, then let's take that and let's move it to the, uh, the health aspect of it. Let's look at the statistics of how often homosexual marriages end up in divorce or some sort of a massive tragedy. Start looking at the, the, the statistics on that and you wonder why is that so glaring? Why is, that, why is there something so glaring going on there and so obvious? When we get away from God's plan and we move away from what God has planned for us, then there's going to be friction. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not like life wasn't already difficult to begin with. Okay, verse 26 again speaks to the idea that God gives them over to their sin. He abandons them to the depraved acts that consume them. They soon find that their sins drag them ever deeper into the spiritual mire. This passage is a good reminder. We must tell society that they need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. Judgment is certain if one does not receive salvation. I've said this before. We've talked about it a couple of times. You know, we talk about judgment. Okay. Let's talk about judgment for just a minute. I didn't, I didn't make the rules on this. We look at the end of time and just fast forward to the end of this thing. What is coming upon the earth and what is coming upon those who don't serve the Lord? Some people would say, well, it's, it's easy for you to say. You're claiming you're on the right side. I'm just simply going by the biblical standard and what God says. If we don't obey these things, if we don't look and accept the salvation that he's given us and the cleanliness and the righteousness of God, then there is only an alternative. I think there's going to be a lot of surprised people. And to say anything otherwise, or to look at it from any other angle, is to take God's word and say, well, you know, I don't really believe that that's true. I feel... I feel as though there is no judgment. I feel as though a loving God would not do that to his children. I've heard that one. We've, we, I've actually had some good conversations about that. Loving God would not send his children to hell. He didn't. He just said, you better serve me, or this is the alternative. This is where it's going to go. Is it God that sends us to hell, or is it us that makes the choice to not serve him? Do you understand that hell is simply a byproduct of not serving him? It's not like, you know, this consequential thing. You're, 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 you're going you're gonna to go to hell if you don't do what I say. And a lot of people perceive God that way. And you're going to end up in this really bad place if you don't do what I tell you to do. No, it's simply that God says, I want your time and I want your attention. I want you to love me and put me first and put me above everything else. And then at the end of this thing, when that has not been done, he's going to say, you chose. I gave you the choice. You, had, you got to choose to do it any way you wanted to do it. And that's the way that you chose to do it. And so it's, it's one thing if you don't know, but it's a completely different thing if you do know. And you heard me say that before, and I think that's a tough thing to have to grapple with. I, I grapple with that often. It's the, I'm not going to be able to stand before him as an individual, as a personal individual, and say, well, I didn't really know. He's going to say, don't even, don't even, 
Don't even say that. You know. You know, we were talking about this at the beginning. You have got to, we have got to accept what God has put in front of us for what it is. And not grapple with things that we know that are, are true and real. Okay. I'm out of time, guys, but I'm going to go ahead and, and, and move a little farther. Um, the passage is a good reminder. We must tell society that we need Jesus. Judgment is certain if one does not receive salvation. Marking the bottom of the spiral, Romans 128 describes a tragic scene. As people continue to reject the Lord, he allows them to follow the desires of their corrupt minds to a horrible conclusion. We're actually seeing a piece of that really now in our society where lines are being drawn. People are making their decision. I'm over here. You're over there. I've chose this path. People are more violent now when you're trying to present your belief. You know, there was a time when, you know, you'd get more of a <coughs> docile, you know, a listen, a listen. Now it's, I don't hear that. I don't want to hear none of your stuff. Yeah. Okay, whoa. So we're seeing a society really make a change here. Um, when someone refuses to have anything to do with God, their sinful nature, uh, natures control them, and sin escalates into a very kind and uh, into every kind of wickedness. Note the list of sins in verses 29 through 31. Some are sins we commonly call depraved. Others seem more subtle, yet all sinfulness rejects, uh, reflects hearts that persistently reject God. Where's the condition? Where, where's our real condition lie? Inside of us, right? That's where, well, that's where the real condition is at. The only way an unbeliever can break out of the sin cycle is to turn to Christ. Through the word or through the testimony of creation, unbelievers should know that sin against the Almighty God leads to death. Yet, tragically, they continue toward judgment. All right, I'm going to read one paragraph in section three, and then we're going to close. The Bible reveals a forgiving God. While the consequences of sin are horrible, there's good news. God sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sins so that we can find forgiveness. Amen. I want to end with that because that's the, that's the scripture of hope, Romans 3, 21 through 24. There is hope if we are engaged in sin. There is hope. If you've, if you've been back and forth and you're not quite sure, well, I don't know about this and I'm not quite sure about this, there's still hope. The thing that we do not want to do is wait till it's too late and there is no opportunity anymore. We have a chance today. We have a chance right now. There's still an opportunity for us to make a change. So I say that not only to, the, to, to maybe if you, if you haven't received Christ this morning in your life, if you've never done that, or... If you have been in church and you have been a Christian or you've, and you've played around with those ideas and you've not done what you're supposed to do, I say the same thing to you, is that it's not just because you're in church that everything is okay, because we know that ain't the case. Amen. And if you think for, for a second that just because you go come to church that makes everything all better, that's absolutely wrong. And so we've got to call ourselves out. We've got to be responsible Christians, responsible uh, spiritual leaders within our own, to ourselves. And if there's sin that we're doing and engaging in, we've got to get rid of it. Amen. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to serve uh, the Lord. What is I've heard it say, John say this several times. You know, I'd, I'd hate to live my whole life, or I would rather live my whole life believing that there is a God and serving him than at the end when it turns up that there, that you there is a God and you believe that there wasn't a God mm -hmm. that depart from me Tragic. and never knew that. Tragic. 
Very good. Very good. God bless you guys. Have a great service. Thank you. Thank you.